and welcome to Ignite Your Purpose. I am your host, Karen Zafra-Vera. Join me here every week for your weekly inspiration and guidance call. We're going to empower you, create enthusiasm, plant a seed, to recognize and peel off the layers to see your true, beautiful I am. Our guests will definitely motivate you to take action today, to create a new belief, and ignite your soul for more of this gift of life. So join us today, here. Tune in now. Welcome back to Ignite Your Purpose. I'm your host, Karam, and today we have the privilege of speaking with an amazing author. I don't think I know any other person that has published as many books as Miss Lisa J. McDonald. Let me first introduce you, Lisa. Hello, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so good to have you here. So you are an author of 30 books. Yes, under different names than this. (laughs) Just so you know, if they're looking it up, you're not going to find it. You're not, they're not going to find it under that name. We'll give them the information afters. And then you're a former radio show host, which that's pretty cool. And you're also a business coach. You were also nominated for the Pushcart Award of 2017 and a multi-Amazon bestseller, which I was earlier just asking you what that means. And you were mentioning that is for short stories. Yes, it's a, a nationwide. It's kind of like being nominated for the Emmys or something like that. And that is for stories. So it's kind of cool. That is a very big deal. Congratulations for that. That is awesome. I love talking to other coaches that have somewhat of that background, just because, you know, me being a coach, it's, we always constantly learning. And I, and I think you can agree that anytime that we are with clients, we are, I think we get more out of what we get, what, what they get, because we're always learning something more about ourselves. I love that field. It's so good to have you here. Thank you for being here. Well, I'm excited to be here. I love what you're up to and I look forward to supporting you. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So you and I had spoken earlier and um, we, you know, I found, I invited you to be on the podcast because I found what you shared with me so incredibly powerful. And I think that you, you know, the purpose of um, my podcast is really to empower women to empower anybody that is finds themselves stuck that is holding back from being the true versions and man I think that what you're going to share today and I don't have the details of it we only touched a little bit on it but I am looking forward to really getting this conversation started and to see the view the fruits that comes from this and how you can empower other people through it so that's awesome let's begin What was, and here's the question I ask all my guests, you know, what is that time in your life that was, it was a season, it was a time in a chapter in your life that shifted you from that old version to the person that you are continually evolving, but that you have become now. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> Not We're going to go dark already. We're going dark. dark. <laughs> I know the, the question sounds super big, but we're talking about one. 
Yes, probably the thing that changed my life the most and was incredibly difficult was when I fled my first husband. It was a domestic violence situation and I fled with six kids. The oldest was 11 at the time and we had to go live in the, we went and hid in the sagebrush because he was coming after us with a gun. So that was probably oh the time where I stood up and said, I deserve to be treated well. I do not want my kids to be raised in this kind of chaos and I'm going to stand up even if it means that he kills me to go and have something better to have something better for my kids to have to have the freedom to just be and to see what was possible and what I could create in my life and to have that also for my kids wow I mean if that didn't just like all of a sudden shift everybody and impact everybody that's huge eight you had six kids six at the time yes six kids and the you oldest was a love huh the oldest was 11, which meant legally when the state I was living in, I could not leave any of my children ever. I could not go to the grocery store without dragging six kids in. I could not go anywhere without dragging six children. Yes, yes, yes. So how long were you in the relationship? And that, that marriage was 13 years. Wow. So it wow. was, you know, it was a lot to just stand up. And, you know, back at that time, I called my father for some help. And bless his soul, he said, go back to him. Just cook more. Mm. And so I had zero family support. I did not have family support on this. But I did have the community. The domestic violence advocates in the local area I was in saved my life and saved my children's lives. Wow. They helped educate me. They helped empower me. They gave me the skills. And it wasn't without a community. When I had to flee, you know, I had six different, it, he was in a rage. I had kids all over the place. Family and community, no, community helped. They went as a couple of them kept my kids here and there and there until I could get the filing, the papers and the temporary restraining order and all of that. It was a community effort. And that's one of the things that I think is so important is we cannot be safe by ourselves. We right. need to support each other. It's a community that saved me. It was a community that helped. And I'm, community, and I'm part of the community wasn't too happy about it either. So there's that. Too. Yeah. Lisa, what made you you know, after 13 years, what was that, there was, what was that one thing that made, that made you make that decision? I mean, cause yeah. you know, we, we, it's too many words. You take on the struggle, the problems, the abuse. And so it's for some people, it becomes something habitual to just accept. Well, yeah. And I was, you know, I came, it came from my family. It was something that I didn't know differently, but I did start getting some clues. I, I went to, I attended a lecture and it was on domestic violence. And all of a sudden I found myself passed out. I'm like, oh, something's going on here. It was triggering something. It was kind of a wake up call. So eventually I ended up taking community classes. The, the city offered free classes to teach us what the laws were, to teach us what domestic violence was, to teach us how to navigate. Because I knew people, a lot of women have lost their children. So I was really determined if I was going to do something about this, I didn't want to lose the kids too, because mm -hmm. that's not going to fix the problem. Um, that's not going to answer things. But I also needed to be empowered. So it took me quite a few years to learning the laws of the, because each town has different laws and right. it operates differently. So I needed to learn that. I needed to create relationships with domestic violence advocates. But what the tipping point was, is there was a verse in the Bible and I was really religious at the time. And it was, um, you know, you needed to fulfill the measure of your creation. Mm -hmm. And I kept thinking, I can't fulfill 
anything that I was meant to do, and neither can my kids, if we're under this constant vigilance, trying to hide from his rages, trying to hide from all this stuff, you know, he would cause my tires to be flat, he would um, track how far I would go, anytime I went out of the house, he would be following me, it was very, you know, I was very isolated, he was hovering over me, he quit his job at work and moved the business at home so that he could track my phone calls, he could track when I was walking, so it was highly controlling. And I thought, I do not, I can't be who I was meant to be. And more importantly, when I started seeing traits start coming out in my kids, I'm like, yeah, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. This is just not okay. Where were you living at that time? I was in Utah. So in Utah? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. And so you said, and you said that, you know, it it was, it was also traits that came from your family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So for you to stand up, I mean, I just want to say how incredibly brave that was. It, is. It, and it's hard, you know, and, you know, to fill out like even to fill out the legal work, I did that months in advance. It took me hours because they wanted to know all the incidences. They wanted to know all the stuff, you know, and I was trying to figure out because he controlled the finances. So when he would go out of town, we would sit there and I had a friend come over, try to help me tap into the computer to even figure out what finances we had because I had no, I had no power at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was important to me to not have this passed down to another generation. And when he started going after the kids, that was just like, yeah, we're mother bear came out. So it wasn't about me it was the fierce mother bear when I saw the the terror that he was causing them and I had one my oldest was coming to me and saying please leave you know what what are you going to do I wasn't going to be like I wasn't going to disassociate and just not be there for my baby I'm not that kind of parent Mm -hmm. wow wow so then you left and you seeked help you got the community help how long were you in this transition Oh, well, you know, it's, you know, it just because you leave, things don't get better. Exactly. There, there is this myth of just leave, just leave, but they don't, they don't understand that you have to give most of the time, the courts are going to rule that you have to give up your babies to their father for some of the time. And then you have all that transition and, you know, my kids, I needed to empower them. So I went and I became, I, I got educated with um, a company that taught about domestic violence and they talked about the abuse things. And I became one of their presenters so, and I started started working with kids and mothers and working. So that's how I got into the coaching world was just wanting to get back because I was given so much. And it's one of those things where he, you know, it, I had to eventually move this from the state for him to stop stalking me. The restraining orders, the protective orders, he would break them. I would call nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing. It's amazing how there's so little support. It's hard and it's different communities. And I know that they're trying to do better, but it, it is a real messed up system. It is really difficult. You know, but me moving 600 miles away did help a lot with the stocking because it was inconvenient for yeah. him to, you know, just show up at my house and to just, you know, some days I would be waking up and he would be in my kitchen and it would be really creepy. And I was already remarried and there he was. It didn't. Oh my God. Me. It was terrible it was horrible it was like you know I'll be in my pajamas going uh, he's like hey should we order some pizza and I'm like I think you need to leave now oh, oh my god <laughs> oh my goodness so then what did you learn about yourself in that process like you know I, there's 
I mean, this is such a, a huge amount of time that took place between you decided, because what I'm catching is that you were preparing yourself before you actually left. I took a long time. It wasn't easy to leave, you know, if you have six children, six young children, I come from a, an, a, a culture where family is the most important, you stay together, there was a lot of priority, but I also knew that if I left and I wasn't prepared and I didn't have all the systems in place, I could very well end up being one of the statistics that would end up dead or what would happen to my children then. And so I knew that I needed to learn the laws, I needed to understand what was going on and I I was studying this very in depth, figuring out what is domestic violence? What does it look like? What are the consequences? Because it's a complicated thing. People think that it's easy, but it's not easy. And, you know, and I've had friends who ended up dead from domestic violence. So I know the reality of it can be horrendous. Yeah. And I was the, one of the lucky ones, you know, I was definitely lucky and I was definitely protected to be able to get where I was able to get. Wow. And how long was the time frame of maybe finally getting to that point of divorce or having that? And I don't want to say freedom because obviously there's no freedom if he still shows up, even when you're married, but, uh, you know, that, (laughs) yeah. Um, But to the point where maybe there wasn't the high level of fear that he was going to come in and take the kids without your authority. So, Uh, you know, he never never took the kids. He never stole the kids or anything. It was more of a violence towards me. Mm. So that even when I was married and like one time we had, uh, I had a lot of family at my house where it was Thanksgiving, there was probably 30, 40 people. And he still got aggressive with me in the other room. He showed up, he was upset about something. I don't remember what, and he got very aggressive. And then eventually, you know, with my yelling and stuff, people came to um, deescalate the situation, but that did not go away until I moved. And I didn't move and I, I should have moved earlier, but I, but there's the problems with the children and right. custody and he wasn't just going to let me go. He right. wasn't going to just let the kids go. So it, it, I probably did not get free of it until about 10 years ago. So it was at least even when I was divorced, 10 years of still having to deal with some threats, always some threats. Wow. That's so, that's. That's, you know, I mean, we hear it a lot and we see certain things, but to hear it up close and personal and then, and then at the same time, I see you and I see your success and I see you, you have a beautiful family and you have how many children now? Just eight. (laughs) Eight. Eight, Okay. Okay. Um, I'm confusing the 11. Yeah. Cause at one time I did have some stepchildren, but yes, yeah, so you had, so you, you so eight that I've given birth to and that I've raised. So yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So then, yeah, I knew I had a number because of something. I knew that there was a combination with your marriage that there was stepchildren involved into in the process. You had mentioned to me that a big part of your shift was also what you stepped out of a part of a religion or a culture or talk to me about that. Okay. My um, family of origin, they've been in the same, I'm a very um, ultra conservative religion since the 1800s. And it's been a very big precedence and it's, uh, you know, it's makes up your entire life. 
you know, you're born in it, you, you go to the church three or four times a week. It's, um, and it was very embedded. I have, um, my parents were high up in the church. My grandparents were even higher up in the church. It is one of those, you know, and there's millions and millions of members. And it was one of the, it's a very dominant culture. And when I, so I went and I got married and then eventually that second marriage didn't work out either. And I remember during that time, cause we were, we were this um, particular husband, there was, he kept taking the kids and there was that drama going on and it was horrendous. And I remember being in the congregation during that with my two little darlings, cause the rest of my kids are raised. And I looked around and I'm like, I don't belong here. Mm. I don't belong here. This, this, they don't upset me. They don't see me. This is, I, I can't give who I'm um, meant to give and serve. And so that moment I stood up and I walked out with my two little girls and wow. you know, I'm the first person in the generation since the 1800s to leave. <laughs> Which is such a, I mean, that's, that's profound since the 1800s, you're the first person to leave the culture, you know the, the beliefs and the church and the and the you know the it's an entire culture you know? right right how did that affect like what happened there with your family and like what was what happened next for that well it wasn't easy I can tell you that um leaving the church has probably been the hardest thing I've ever gone through mm. even over the divorces even over hiding my children and even over all that leaving the church has an exquisite pain of you know because it's a religion that I was born with and believed and honored but then I started seeing things that wasn't resonating with me and then the family so what happened was I didn't tell anybody because why would I tell anybody I wasn't I didn't want to cause distress for my own children I didn't want to cause distress for my family but they started figuring it out and uh, my children um, started calling me during the time that I should have been at church and I answered the phone and so they're like uh mom you're not church. What's going on? And so my older children started doing that. Quite a few of my kids stopped talking to me. Quite a few of them um, bore their testimonies and poured out their souls and begged me to come back. Those were um, difficult conversations because I wanted to honor them and whatever belief system works for them. But I also wanted them to honor me. My Mm -hmm. family tried to um, stop talking to me, but then like my mother would call and crying and sobbing is like you're too good to go to hell you're too good to go to hell and then my son called me and it's like you're too good to go to hell and then both oh of them God. came to the conclusion that I wasn't going to go to hell but even though they're like somehow you're going to get a special veto even though you're not in the church and it was interesting to watch them wrestle with my decision right eventually they had to they had to create this other excuse in order to like to be to give themselves enough permission to continue having you in their lives and accept you you know even though you weren't in agreement with what they have been you know living with well that, um, it, it, for me for me yeah. it works for, like my boy he pressured me so hard to come back I how old was he at that time Oh, 21. It was devastating for him because, you know, he had already gone on a mission for his church. He was really into it. And then he comes home and he finds out mom wasn't in it. (laughs) So, you know, I felt hard for it was hard for him. But I also told him that I would have to stop having communication with him if he couldn't honor my choice. 
And that wasn't easy for me to do, but I needed to have the respect of mom's going to do this. So mm -hmm. a couple months later, he came back and he goes, mom, I decided that you're a free bird. That you're what? I'm a free bird. Mm. He goes, you've always been a free bird. And I'm like, oh, I love that. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. You know, but now we're able to have conversations. Fast forward three years, half of my children left the church. And some of them wow. were the ones who were begging me to stay, but they got call me back. And they, three years later, they go, mom, I was thinking about what you had to say. Because some of them were adult enough. They were, you know, late twenties. They go, mom, please just tell us why. Because mm -hmm. I didn't want to create the contention. I wasn't going to say, I have this issue, this issue, that issue. I wasn't going right. to go there with them. But as an adult, they were like, treat us like adults. I'm like, okay, I have some of these concerns. And they came back three years later and like, we, we thought about it and you're right. So, you know, now I have a family where half of my children are in the church and half of my children are not. What is the energy around the house with having, you know, half in and half out? Well, most of them are adults now and doing their own life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, my home life is good because they, they have the same beliefs and that works. But it, they went through having division for a while and then they went to more tolerance. And now it's just acceptance. And most of them can just have these discussions. And, it, you know, it's interesting because even the politics, you know, with all the politics, they went into this, but they've learned to be curious about the other side. They learned to respect it. And so it's a much better place. I never thought that it would get this well, but it seems to be harmony. And my boy who had such a hard time, he's the one that everybody goes, I feel so comfortable talking to him. It's so wonderful because they can explore the concepts and whatever reason. And what my um, girls who left, it was different reasons than when I left. Mm -hmm. and so it was their own personal spiritual journey. And the ones who stayed are they're doing their own journey. And that's what I want as a mother is just for them to do what works for them and what resonates with their soul and not to go against what doesn't feel right for them. Yeah. And, and I think that's a beautiful way of putting it because in, in, in all actuality, you living and standing up for your truth to live, you know, authentically allows them to not only do the same, but question themselves that led them to living themselves, living in this authentic version. What did you feel you needed or that you learned, or maybe you needed to see of yourself in order to make this transition, knowing that there were so many things you know, that you can lose, you know, the relationship with your kids, the relationship with your family. What did you have to step into? Who did you have to step into to oversee the pain and see the light? Yeah, that's a great question. I, okay, I'm the oldest of eight. So I've always taken care of all my siblings. And then being a mother of eight, I've always sacrificed my good for the children, for my siblings, for, you know, I, I was always the one not, my needs were kind of secondary. Mm -hmm. And it came to the point where I'm like, my kids are old enough, they can handle this. I trust they can handle mom doing stuff because I didn't want to do it when it was doing the divorce time and they were already so wounded. So I did stay, even though it wasn't resonating so much for them. But when it came time when I said, okay, they're old enough and I trust that I've raised them well enough to be able to find their own truth, that it's time for me to own that 
I don't have to sacrifice myself anymore. Mm. It is time for me to live completely authentic. And one of the problems I had with the church was they kept, I kept coming to going, doing inner searching and going, oh, I should do this path. And they'd come out and they'd say, no, you need to do this and this and this. So I was having a battle between having an exterior organization telling me what was best for me versus my listening to my own um, and intuition and what I was doing. And I had to own that I had had a right to live in and trust my own instincts. And just because there was an institution that I did very much love and cherish at the time, that they didn't have the right to tell me how, what was authentic and was the line, line right for me and what truth Absolutely. was. Absolutely. And, you know, what made you tap in and trusting that intuitive side? Was it something that you had to learn in the process and that you became aware like, wow, I'm like, I feel like I'm being guided more now because you're listening to that intuitive side or how did you trust yourself to be able to move forward? What was it within you? And as a, and I, you know, speaking as a mother, I do say to my, you know, there's certain things that I'm like, you know what, I, we've created a foundation. You know, my kids are still young I have my oldest one but I understand that I've created a foundation that my husband and I we've created a foundation and that I can give myself that trust but I also can tap into the fact that the person that I am now and how I trust my intuition now is so different from four or five years ago and so making such huge decisions and moving forward in your life and having so much of the opposite contrast the the contrast how did you touch how did you like feel safe within yourself that you were making those right decisions and that is you know it's something that obviously it took me a long time to make the decision to leave it wasn't an easy decision to go for a divorce and, you know, with six kids and having no skills and being a stay-at-home mom. So I had no, I did not know what I was doing. But Mm -hmm. growing up as a child, when you grow up in a toxic environment, intuition's a thing that many kids develop. And it's one of the things that I was constantly reading the situation and constantly trusting my instincts for survival, not only of myself, but taking care of the siblings of when is it time to go hide in the closet? When is it time to, you know, how do you navigate that? So it's one of those things that it was definitely developed quickly for me because of my upbringing on that, but to trust it in a way that is a deep rooted one is by small experiences and playing with it. Uh, You know, part of the thing that I learned as a coach is I started hearing people talking about intuition and, and, and seeing things and being able to read energy. And I thought, oh, how interesting. So I just started practicing when I was coaching of saying, because I would have thoughts come into me when I'm coaching, Mm -hmm. people ask me, well, what do you do? And I'm like, it depends on the person in the situation and what intuition is coming in. So I've always just said whatever that could, I, I go like this because that's the way it works for me. Right. It works differently for other people. But I started practicing of just saying what I was feeling prompted and I was being right nine times out of 10. And, and you know, when I was getting the affirmation over and over of practicing it. And then I started practicing paying attention to my dreams because there's the dreams that are just dreams and you know the difference and then there's ones that had information for me so I started just practicing the skill sets and building and practicing it with my children because you know as a mother I think all of us know that when there's something wrong there's just that 
hit yeah just doing it and that's one of the things that surprised me because in the culture in the religion i came from they're always talked about the holy spirit and then if you left the church you're going to lose all of that you're going to lose the guidance so Mm. i I remember the first week after i left waiting to get struck by lightning (laughs) i gotta get struck by lightning i gotta you know because i'm not conforming to what is supposed to be the right thing and then i waited for that promptings to go away and that guidance and it didn't and it didn't it didn't amazing and i'm like going wow okay and even yesterday my mom because we're going through some stuff some pretty heavy duty stuff right now he's like how are you getting through this without prayer you know that's what i was hearing and i'm like but my body tells me Mm. i i feel it inside you know when it's right because you get a certain feeling at least i get a certain feeling and learning to trust the body because i've now learned that there's a difference between the intellectual and then the intuition and then what is good for the body so Mm. there's a whole you know and this is something that i've been practicing with even after leaving even after doing all this stuff because sometimes my body will suck up the stress and then it presents the bill later on and i'm like okay we need to be in a more alignment here so you know we have this ambition and these promptings of what to do but we need to do it in a way that our body at least my body will be happy no it's perfect and it's it's beautiful that you say that because we're meant to be able to surpass things like my gosh what you surpassed you know not only leaving your husband with you know the kids and then the religion and and you know i i think back of I think my hardest time in my life was after my father's passing and then having to deal or go through the journey with my mom. When I talk about it, people say, well, my gosh, how did, how did you have the strength to go through that? Or, you know, and we're meant to build, we're meant to move forward. We're meant to like, you don't, you, we don't sit and simmer. Oh, can I do this? It's no matter when it's the situations are happening, you just act, you just do. You, well, you that, know, that brings up the, the other thing I was going to mention was, you know, there's this thing about mother bear that's yeah. real and you see your young ones and you want oh, yeah. to protect them. It's like, forget all the fear, forget everything else. Yeah. I, that's what I learned through that transition. was, I had a fierce mother yes. bear and the mm-hmm. mother bear will stand up to anything to Absolutely. protect her young. And we, we, as mothers, have that unique ability that I will move mountains for my babies. And I did not know how powerful it was until the day I was fleeing him. You don't and think, was, you don't stop to think those you things. Don't think, you're, all you're thinking is, well, I got to get this baby into that car and away from this rage. And I got to get this other baby and I got to get them and we got to get somewhere safe. For yeah. if that's all you're thinking about and so the fear and all that apprehension goes away when you put you know when you're advocating for somebody else the biggest journey for me is that was easier to tap into than to become that fierce advocate for myself yes yeah it's always as a easier. woman I was always taught to set you know to yeah. sacrifice and um and the culture I came from it was like how much more are you sacrificing and willing to put up and that proves your worthiness that proves how much you love God well I had to undo that thinking and going you know what I get to deserve to have a life of more ease more stress and more fulfillment for me and if I do that I'm being an example to my daughters and and to my sons, but mostly my daughters where I didn't want them to compromise who they were and to not have a fulfilling life. So absolutely. I don't want that. I have to actually embrace and go for the hard stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. So good. What was your biggest um, 
I guess in, in looking at the whole picture, what do you think um, it was the biggest lesson for you? The biggest awareness that you can even look back now and say, this still stands out the most than anything else. I know that if I wouldn't have left because my heart was giving out on me, I know I would be dead today. And I know that by me, and the one thing that uh, I look back now that I'm older and more seasoned and I look back and things have played out, I had no idea that it would be such a benefit to my children, to my ex-husband. It, it was a gift to him. He's thanked me for it. I had no idea that it'd be a gift to my family. Mm-hmm. By me standing in my truth, made it better for everyone. It didn't look like it for years and it was incredibly painful, but by me living what wasn't best for me. And I I believe somehow the universe has an alignment. If you do what's best for you, it's best for others. I had no idea when I was leaving, I had no idea I would end up where I was at and that the relationships would change and heal and grow. And that it, you know, by me standing in my truth and just being compassionate for my family, when they were sad about what the choices and just be compassionate and being curious about what's for them it helped them to go on their journey. Absolutely. That's so beautifully said. So beautifully said. I mean, there's so many topics that we spoke about and yet all around a beautiful circle, what would be your piece of advice to the woman that's feeling trapped, whether they're in an abusive relationship or in a culture or in any circumstance, but that they're feeling trapped and they are sacrificing thinking that what they're doing and staying where they're at is the best possible way that they can show up. And um, there's no one set answer. Right. For each situation. But what I would advocate them to do is be a fierce advocate for themselves to not believe the lies, because what abusers do is they try to make the, think that you're less than they try to strip your self esteem, they try to erode that and plugging back into your power and not letting anybody take that from you. just even in yourself, knowing that you are a value, knowing you have amazing gifts and you have amazing life and owning that over and over again. And knowing that sometimes it's just the smallest little steps that you'll be guided that things can change Mm -hmm. and they will, but they have to change from the inside out and not believing the lines that the abuser tells you or the, you know, at work, if you're getting degraded, be owning your strength and your beauty. And if you kind of lost um, contact with it, which I did, mm-hmm. I had a friend. I think we all do through times, different seasons in our lives. Yeah, because you get beat up so bad and, it, it, you know, and they love to do mm-hmm. brainwashing and stuff. But I had a friend come to me and tell me, I love you mm-hmm. and you are brilliant. That I just broke out in tears that day. That mm-hmm. made the biggest difference and it gave me courage because I knew I was loved. And mm-hmm. so what I, all I needed to know was somebody loved me. Somebody saw some good. If they can love me, then I can love myself. Wow. So beautiful. And then, so you know, and then we spread it on, but it was, it's like the simple things, it's the little things that make the biggest difference. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so very much because I know that this will help many, you know, what you did was not only brave it was it was everything it was brave it was risky it was powerful it was you were an influence motivator like there was just so many things and just to show you you know what a beautiful mom you are and you know 
the opportunity that you have given your children um, is an opportunity that no one else can. You know, if you open the doors for them to be their full, authentic, beautiful versions, creators that they were meant to be. And, and it's what a beautiful example of motherhood or but just another human being to human being, you know, because you don't need to have children in order to make to create such changes no. in, your, in your life, but to be able to do it and and then speak about it. And that's why I, I really, truly love what this podcast is about, because it's we're not meant to keep these stories to ourselves. No, we're meant to share them. And it's not just about being a mother, you know, I, and my husband now is, I love the fact he would, he doesn't have any children, <laughs> Yay! <laughs> but uh, he lived a life where he was a fierce advocate for himself always. And I'm so inspired by that. So mm. inspired of, he lived his passion. He made his choices based on what was going to bring him fulfillment. And it's so nice to see the contrast and I can learn so much from him by just being a fierce advocate of the kind of life that he wanted to live. And, and I find it Im- inspiring to be with another individual who was not always trained in always, you know. Yeah, inspiring it. and amazing because you attracted that type of individual, mm. right? You and attracted convinced him to marry a woman with eight children. So. <laughs> <laughs> you attracted that type of individual. So Thank you so much for being here. Your story is incredibly powerful. I'm proud of the fact of the woman that the power within you that you have. I, you know, I can't say that I'm proud from a person that I have known you for so long because I don't, but I'm proud of you for being so brave and so, you know, just so courageous to stand up and live your authentic self. Because not only did you give that opportunity to children, but you're you're also giving that opportunity to many and whoever listens that it may be in that same story or scenarios that they can, you know, it's something that you've given them hope. Thank you. I hope so. I hope so. No matter where it is, even if it's at work or whatever, you know, becoming a fierce advocate for yourself is a powerful tool. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't agree anymore. So how can people find you, Lisa? Um, My website is the um, step it up queen q-u-e-e-n.com so you can reach me there wow i love it i love it step it up queen i love it very very awesome name (laughs) (laughs) well i I, uh, you know i kept asking my clients when i started to come up with the name i'm like well you know what do i give what's there and they're like you always make me step it up. You make it, you get rid of all the excuses. You know, you sit there and go, well, you have the divorce and you have the kids and you have the health and you know, you get, so that's where it came from. Was thinking, that's awesome. You make so me step awesome. It up. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, sharing your story again. What a privilege and an honor to have you. And, um, I look forward in, in having a, a, another conversation in the near future with you. Awesome. Um, much, much success to you. You too. Thanks for tuning in. Follow us for next week's inspirational guest. You can follow me, Karen Zavravera, in all your social media platforms or email me at leapandbelieve at gmail.com.